DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leonie Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual direction according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He's also the author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life. A sister of St. Therese, servant of God, Leone Martin, bearer of hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. We are about to explore the life of an extraordinary person who, like her now famous sister, was really quite hidden for so long. Let's talk about Leonie Martin. Well, Therese is obviously the St. Therese of the child Jesus, and now her canonized parents, Louis and Celie Martin, are obviously the best known, even within the siblings. There were nine children, four of whom died in very early age, as was unfortunately fairly common in those days. Infant mortality was uh, relatively high. But there were five sisters, all of whom survived. Therese obviously is the best known. And then the three who were with her in the Carmel in Lisieux, that, that would be her oldest, well, Pauline, and then the oldest, Marie and Céline. And the one who tends to have been forgotten the most uh, over the years was Leonie. And a lot of people probably just wouldn't recognize the name at all, wouldn't know who she is. But in 2015, her cause of canonization was introduced, and she is now the servant of God, Leonie Martin. And so there's a whole new awakening of interest, this hitherto forgotten sister, and she's the one that we're going to focus on in these conversations that we'll be having. Who was she? Why has her cause of canonization been begun? What's special about her? What were her struggles? What happened over the course of her life? And I will say, Chris, it's, I don't know, it's been quite a, some time now that I've been reading pretty much everything that you can read on her. She draws you. And I, I think we'll see that as we go through it. And she has a very, I think, important story because she was the forgotten one. She was the one who was in the last place. She was the one who was less gifted than the others. Today we would call her a problem child and we'll see that she certainly was that. A source of great anxiety to to her mother, to her parents both. Disruption in the family for all the years of her infancy and to her teenage years. And then the story took the turn that it did. But I don't want to anticipate anything. I think we'll just let it unfold chronologically. That, I think, is something that has really spoken to my heart about her as well. I didn't know very much about her until I heard her described by her mother. And as a mother myself with kids, there's something about how she spoke about this particular child that really touched my heart. I am so grateful that we're going to explore this as well. Again, I I would like it just to unfold. I kind of know the end story as far as her life goes, but I think for the listener, 
my hope is that, like me, as you learn more and more about her, there is something that is so compelling and poignant. I, I'm so grateful that you're, you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really happy to do it. And what we'll see is that until her mother's death and St. Zélie dies when Leonie is 14, so for the first 14 years of Leonie's life, this is equally the story of mother and daughter. And we will see uh, Leonie uh, almost exclusively through the eyes of her mother. Her mother lived uh, incredibly packed days as the years went by and the family grew. Eventually she had, well, she had nine children, four of whom, as I mentioned, died early, but this was a large family. She also had a thriving lace-making business, which eventually became the support for the family. Her business grew so much, and she was so overwhelmed between caring for her children and managing the business. And sometimes she would have about 30 women working for her on this. That, As he did so often in his life, her husband, Louis, renounced his own watchmaking and jewelry business, in which he was doing well to work full-time to support his wife. He was the one who sort of managed the business. He would make the business trips, contact the vendors and suppliers and so forth for her. And notwithstanding these packed days, she still wrote a large number of letters. 218 of them have been preserved. And they're published in English translation in a book called Call to a Deeper Love, The Family Correspondence of the Parents of St. Therese of the Child Jesus, which is a wonderful book. Her husband's letters, Louis' letters are also in there, but he didn't write very often. He left most of that to his wife. So we'll see Leonie through these letters for the first 14 years of her life. When we earlier, when we did a series of, of podcasts on St. Therese, we also focused on the letters. Did that because they are an extremely rich source. St. John Henry Newman says at some point in his writings that, in his mind, the best way to get to know a person, even more than a biography, is through reading the person's letters. And I've always thought that he's right, because you get the person without any mediation. Uh, You get the person directly. So we, we opted to look at the letters of Therese because they are so rich and because they're also probably the least known of her writings. In this case, we had other choices. You could look at Therese through her own autobiography, through the abundance of the uh, various witnesses to her, through the cause of canonization, and so forth. With Leonie, things are different. Really, the only essential way to get a hold of Leonie and to follow her life is through letters, because she never wrote very much, very, very little, just a few personal notes from retreats and things like that. Outside of the letters, So we have these letters of Zélie, which will take us through the first 14 years of Léonie's life. And then we have Léonie's own letters. We have 342 letters of Léonie conserved, most of them written after she eventually entered religious life. And we have uh, almost 2,000 letters written to her by her sisters, something like 1,800 letters. There are reasons why that correspondence was so abundant, which we'll see when the appropriate time comes. But that's just to explain the methodology that we'll use here. So let's uh, dive right into the letters. And this first letter is written when Leonie is seven months old. And it's our first reference to her. This is a letter that Zélie writes to her brother Isidore. 
These early letters are generally written to either her brother Isidore, who was 10 years younger than she. Celie was one of three. Her older sister, Elise, who became a visitation sister and would have a great impact on Leonie. And then three years later, Zelie was born, and the two sisters were very close. They had a very difficult upbringing, and it brought them very close together. And then 10 years after Zelie, their youngest brother, Isidore, was born. Isidore would have a significant role in Therese's life later on. He was a major figure in this whole saga of the Martin family. He married his wife, Celine. A very warm bond of affection quickly developed between Zelie and her sister-in-law, Celine, her brother Isidore's wife. And so the letters that we'll look at at this stage are written either to Isidore, her brother, or to Isidore's wife, Celine. And in this particular case, Celie is writing to Isidore. And this is the first reference to Leonie, who is seven months old. Little Leonie is not coming along very well. However, she's not sick. So that's our first reference. And the first reference indicates that Leonie had struggles of health from the very beginning. Apparently, Zelie's pregnancy which, with Leonie, which was her third pregnancy. So at this point, her oldest daughter, Marie and Pauline, were born and are healthy and doing well. But the third pregnancy was accompanied by some kind of physical struggles. I haven't been able to find the details in any of the, of the writing. This is another difference between Therese and Leonie. Therese, in Therese, everything has been studied, and books never cease to come out about her. Whereas with Leonie, it's only five years since her cause of canonization was introduced. There still is a lot more study and work to do with regard to Leonie. So there'll be some points in which we'll wish we knew more, but all we can do is what we have. We have an awful lot, as we'll see, primarily through the letters. But the first 16 months or so of Leonie's life, she vacillated between life and death for reasons of health. So the very beginning was not easy for Leonie. I wonder, I'm not a doctor, and so I don't want to pretend to do more than just wonder, whether some of this may not have been related to whatever the physical issues Zelie went through during her pregnancy might have been. But the beginning was difficult. All right, this is two months later, so Leonie is now nine months old. Little Leonie is over nine months old, and she can barely hold herself up on her legs, as Marie was doing at three months old. So again, we get a, a very early indication that Leonie is developing much more slowly than her two older sisters. This poor child is so weak. She has a kind of chronic whooping cough. In fact, she would struggle with this throughout the entirety of her life. And this was before antibiotics and vaccines, and a lot of young children died of this. So her mother is understandably worried about this. But she would deal with things like whooping cough and related sorts of things at various points throughout all of her life. All right, so she has a kind of chronic whooping cough, fortunately not as strong as the attack Pauline had, or she wouldn't be able to survive it. And God only gives us what we can endure. So these are our first indications, and what we're getting from Zelie is worry, is concern. Her child is just not doing well in her first year. This next letter is two months later. Leonie is now 11 months old. Little Leonie is not doing well. She doesn't seem 
to want to walk. And it took her a lot longer to begin to walk than the rest of the children. She's by no means big and fat. However, she's not sick. She's just very frail and small. She just got over the measles, which also could have been deadly at that time, because again, we are before vaccines. She just got over the measles and was very sick. She had very strong convulsions. Again, you get the same thread of worry and concern from her mother. If you read Zelie's letters, you, you read a, you'll see her delight, for example, in Marie or Pauline or later Celine and Therese, just as a mother would do in seeing them do well and the uh, charming things that they do. Uh, you don't get that as she's writing about Leonie. You know, some of the commentators mentioned that we tend to think of the Martin family, Therese family, as a kind of ideal family in which everything was just wonderful and everyone was happy and all things went well. As we go through these letters, we'll see that that was not at all the case. They knew and profoundly the struggles and suffering that every family knows, which in a way, I think, is its own gift because this is a family to which we can all relate. They were not exempt from the same struggles that we all know. All right, the next reference to Leonie is about a year later, a little less. Leonie is now a year and nine months old, and Zelie is writing to her brother Isidore. And she says, now let's speak of something else. For the last two months, my little Leonie has had a kind of purulent eczema on her entire body, and the illness is getting worse every day. I'm very upset. And she goes on. And this eczema, which, and it was not uh, just a simple or light case of eczema, purulent. I'm going to read a description of what purulent eczema is. Uh, and she would deal with this throughout the entirety of her life. Purulent eczema is a chronic disease of the skin characterized by rashes, swelling, itching, and dryness, crusting, flaking, and blistering with an oozing of pus and blood. Already now, not even two years old, Leonie is struggling with this, and it covers the entirety of her body, as it would whenever she would get into situations of stress or worry, this would tend to return. She uses the word at one point, an enraged eczema, just, just the inflammation and the itching, which was a, a terrible struggle. You know, in the course of reviewing, reading through her letters and all of this, at one point, I developed a localized skin issue, and it made me just think, what would it be like to have this on the whole of your body and to know that this could return at any point in your life? And so she would deal with this. But again, you can see the same thread holds. As each letter follows the preceding, we just get an unfolding of worry and concern. And at this case, it's all about the physical struggles that Leonie would have and the slowness of her development. I'm very upset, and the doctor doesn't know how to treat it. If ever any mothers are listening who find themselves worrying about their children, then Zelie is the saint, because there is so much worry and concern as she watches the growth and struggles of her children. Later, you know, the business and uh, her own health and all that she deals with. Uh, the doctor doesn't know how to treat it. He told me to give her some antiscorbutic syrup, which I did but the ravages of the illness didn't lessen. It seems that these kinds of illnesses are almost incurable. Please give me your advice and tell me what I should do, because her brother Isidore had studied to be a doctor, later left those studies, and 
completed his training as a pharmacist. And so that was his lifelong profession. His father-in-law had a pharmacy in Lisieux, and he wound up taking over that pharmacy, marrying, of course, his father-in-law's daughter. That's actually how the whole Martin family eventually winds up in Lisieux because of the, the pharmacy that Isidore took over. So we'll see in these letters that Celie will often ask her brother for advice on how to handle one kind of physical condition or another. You wouldn't believe how much I suffer seeing my poor little daughter in this state. She's a real mother. I've just written to our sister Elise. Now, Elise is the, the other that I mentioned. She's the oldest. Elise entered, as I mentioned, the visitation order, was in the convent at Le Mans in France. And that too will be a key place in the life of Leonie. The Elise, or in religious life, known as uh, Sister Marie Docité. Sister, I guess you'd say Mary, a Dorothy in English, would always be a key player in her life. Both Zelie and her younger brother Isadora looked to their oldest sister, Sister Marie Docité, as she was kind of the saint in the family, and she was really a wonderful woman and religious, and the wisdom figure. And you see in the correspondence that they write to her asking her advice, and her letters to them are very much the letters of an older sister trying to assist their younger uh, sister and brother. So Zelie tells Isidore, I've just written to our sister Elise, asking that she say a novena for her. And this turned out to be a key thing, because her sister does make this novena to, at that time, blessed Margaret Mary Alacoque, now St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, who was of the visitation. At that point, that's when the 16 months of life and death struggles end, and Leonie begins to do better physically. And Leonie would be forever grateful to Elise for that. All right, I've just written to our sister Elise, asking that she say a novena for her. And then she says to Isidore, I'm not asking you for your prayers. I don't have enough confidence in you. Because at this point, Isidore was not all that strong in his faith. Later, he would become a very devout and deeply dedicated Catholic. All right, the next letter is just a few months later, and Leonie is now two years old, and Zelie is writing to Isidore. Leonie is very cute and rather strong. So that's, this is the first a more hopeful, positive note that we get. It's an absolute fact that she's never been sick since my sister made the novena to Blessed Margaret Mary, who was beatified in September. You know, one of the commentators, actually several of them, writing about the story of Leonie, speak of it as the victory of a family. And it really is very much without the love and support and faith and the constant encouragement of her family, Leonie's life would have been very different. And this is the first instance that we see of this. Of course, she has a loving and anxious mother who just wants the best for her and suffers to see her struggling. But the prayers of her aunt signalize the first turn for the better in her life. And that is really, she could have easily died, as we've seen four others did early on, but she does survive. And she would live to be 78, actually, Leonie. Absolute fact that she's never been sick since my sister made the novena to Blessed Margaret Mary, who was just beatified. When Madame D, uh, sometimes in the letters, before they allowed them to be published, they would remove some names. In this case, they just put the uh, initial D. When Madame D came, she was in a pathetic state and had been since her birth. She had continual heart palpitations, 
and an inflammation of the intestines that started when she was born. This was another thing she would deal with throughout all her life. Enteritis, they'll call it sometimes, inflammation of the intestines. In short, I saw her hover between life and death for 16 months. I remember that during that time, I wanted to stand her up on her feet, and I was unable to do it successfully. Immediately after the novena, she could run like a little rabbit. She's incredibly agile. The next reference to Leonie is four years later. So Leonie is now six years old, which in itself is interesting. Because for once, for example, Therese is born or Celine, uh, you'll get constant references to them. And just an interesting fact that that many years go by, at least in the conserved letters, there's no reference to Leonie. And Celie is now writing to her sister-in-law, Celine. My children speak to me often of your little Jean. So Celine had three children. Her sister-in-law had three children. Her oldest daughter, Jean, who eventually married. Then the, the second, Marie, who also became a Carmelite and lived with the other four Martin sisters in the Carmel in Lisieux. And then she had one son who died at birth. In both families, both the Martin family and then the family of her brother, the Guerin family, it was the male children who didn't survive. And that's why we have essentially, except for the husbands in both cases, these are families of wives and daughters because the male children didn't survive. So my children speak to me often of your little Jean, and they ask me if she's coming back soon. So periodically there would be visits between Alençon, where the Martin family lived, and Lisieux, where the Guerin family lived. If she's coming back soon, Leonie calls her the little boy Jean. We're having a hard time making her understand that Jean is a little girl and not a boy. She understands things so slowly, but she's always been sickly, and I hope she'll develop later on. And so we get another window early on into Leonie's life that she was not only physically very frail, but she was intellectually very slow. She struggled throughout her life. We'll see her studies were, were always difficult for her, and she never did very well in them. Uh, just one little insight into this. When later, Therese's cause of canonization is underway, and the sisters are being asked to give their witness and so on. Her sisters write to Leonie, and they remind her clearly, don't write anything without letting somebody review your French before it goes out. Uh, she, intellectually, she, she was never very gifted. A year later, Celie writing to Isidore, Leonie is now seven years old. Now Leonie has had a problem with her eyes for almost two years. So here's another physical issue, two years. So that's from age five to seven, uh, an issue with her eyes. If you know a remedy for this, please let me know. God willing, it will be more effective than those I've tried so far. This poor child, and this is the, the word that Celie will, will use to describe Leonie. La pauvre Leonie, my poor Leonie. This poor child concerns me because she has an undisciplined character and a limited ability to understand. So the picture keeps amplifying. It's not only physical issues and not only intellectual limitations, but now we have a reference to an undisciplined character. She's emotionally difficult. She's hard to control. Uh, there are emotional struggles in this young girl's life. 
The next letter takes us now to Leonie at eight years of age. And now something else comes in. This is the year 1871, which is the year of the Franco-Prussian War, when the, the Germans invade and defeat France. And the repercussions are very real in this small city of Alençon. There's a, a bombardment. The family has to take refuge in the cellar. When the city is defeated, 25,000 Prussian troops march through the city and they watch this. And then they are obliged, as many others in the city of Alençon, to house. In their case, they are assigned nine of these German soldiers who take over the first floor of the house. During the bombardment, the family takes refuge in the cellar. And during the time that the soldiers are here in the house, Leonie takes refuge in the cellar. And we have her described just sitting on a stool, living down there to avoid having to deal with these uh, German soldiers and the danger and the upset of the family. Leonie would go through three wars in her life. This was the first one when she is just eight years old. Now, you can imagine what this can mean for a young girl whose life is already so unstable and so difficult in so many ways now to have the additional suffering of going through a time, not only a war, but a defeat, and one that touches her own family home, actually enters right into the family home with all the fear. You know, how are these soldiers going to treat the family? Just what's going to happen? In fact, if you read Zaylee's letters, uh, she resolves to treat the soldiers well, with politeness and with courtesy. And so there were no major struggles of any kind. But you can see this eight-year-old girl afraid, you know, day after day, sitting on a stool in the cellar. What's the emotional impact of this going to be? This is a young girl in whose life there is no stability. Everything is changing. Nothing seems to go well. And through all of it, physical frailties, emotional struggles, and struggles with any kind of learning. Zaylee writes, uh, she's writing to her sister-in-law, I'm not sure if you know that the Prussians have been in our home since Monday morning at 7 o'clock. They marched in front of our house until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. There were 25,000 of them. I can't describe our anxieties. Monday, around 3 o'clock, all the doors were marked with the number of enemy soldiers to be housed. A big sergeant came to ask us to inspect the house. I took him up to the first floor while telling him we have four children. Fortunately for us, so at this point, the next child, Helene, has been born. Fortunately for us, he didn't try to go up to the second floor. Finally, they made us take nine in all. And then she says later in the life, the town is in desolation. Everyone is crying except me. A projectile smashed a storefront very close to us. We had to go down into the cellar. So that's said rather briefly, but uh, we can just imagine the impact emotionally of this on Leonie. All right, still when Leonie is eight years old, this is Celie writing to her sister-in-law, Celine. Now, we have the first attempt to try to do something a little more formal with regard to Leonie's studies. They've already had her go to a school in Alençon, where the uh, oldest two girls went. For the first time, she attempts to enter an educational institution, and it goes badly. She has to return home. And Zélie's great hope is that her older sister, Elise, Sister Marie Docité, in the Visitation Convent at Le Mans, where they have a boarding school. Her sister teaches in this boarding school. 
and where the oldest two girls do go, and that's where they get their education as boarders. So they would spend the academic year there, return at Christmas and Easter for vacations at home, and then spend the summers at home. And this is where Marie and Pauline got their education. And the third daughter now is Leonie and Zelie, uh, with great confidence in her older sister, Elise, and knowing that Leonie will still, in a, in a very real sense, be in the family there with her aunt and the two older sisters, has great hope that Leonie can go to this boarding school and that this will make the difference in her life. So she writes to her sister-in-law, I told my sister, so that's Elise, about my problem regarding Leonie's studies. She thought about it and said, I have to try. She found the mother superior and asked to take the little girl and look after her until the vacation. So Leonie has been at the visitation monastery for several days with her sisters. She was delighted to go. I hope they'll be able to keep her. She's not sure of this because the child is so unruly and so so poor in her studies. Since I know that she's in such good hands, on my side, I see myself so calm, it seems to me like I'm in heaven. So... From the the endless battles and struggles with Leonie at home and her undisciplined character and the the shouting and the struggles and uh, the health problems, for her as a mother to know that her daughter is in the best possible hands and not at home just brings a kind of peace that is uh, sort of like a dream for her, and she hopes that this will go well. We can probably already guess that things are going to go a little more, a little differently. Father Gallagher, could I ask a question at this point? Sure. As I'm listening to you, and I'm sure there will be many parents out there and people and family members who are going to be able to relate in some ways to what they're hearing. Uh, Again, it would be very bold of me to make a statement or a diagnosis, as it were, because I don't have the background except for being the parent of two children in the autism spectrum. And what you've described up to this point, even as you said, when she had smallpox and she had convulsions, and that would connotate a a high fever and a number of other things that can affect the body and the mind and everything else. What I'm hearing, especially with her struggles with education and being able to be taught, many children in the autism spectrum, for example, have those same type of struggles. Uh, now there seems to be a greater awareness and so many schools, uh, municipalities, other things are trying to do things to help reach those children one-on-one. But they appeared before they had an adapted education to be not very bright. It's a language disorder. It's very difficult to write. It's hard to speak in sentences that are familiar with people that they rather speak in statements. Again, it'd be bold of me to say that she had something in the autism spectrum or even Asperger's syndrome or anything like that. Boy, but it sure sounds as though those types of struggles, we can understand that. When the soldiers would come into the home, the sound of men's voices, the sounds of things that are happening would be such a struggle that for a child in the spectrum, all they want to do is escape and hide. You know, they just, they get very focused and they, they, get, they have to shut it out because there are no filters. 
and it can be very much a struggle. So a lot of what she seems to be experiencing, many family members are going to be able to say, wow, I can relate to that. Even the disruption in behavior and the responses to things, trying to go to church, for example, to sit, just to sit quiet and don't say something is a struggle. It kind of just pings my heart. I hope you don't mind me interjecting all of this. But in the hopes of Zeli, can you help me? You know, is there a hope? I mean, just what you just said in that last letter, that's what so many people are experiencing in the love for that child and their hopes that something can help them. Maybe I'm not capable. Maybe someone else can. Well, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there still is need for a lot more study and research and writing. I did my best to see if I could find anywhere any psychologist who had done an in-depth study on uh, Leonie enough to attempt some kind of a diagnosis. I have been unable to find that. In various presentations on her, various things are suggested. And uh, one of the commentators does suggest something along the lines of autism. Another one uh, proposes that she might have been dyslexic, and that would not have been something that they would have caught at the time. And there'll be other factors that we'll see as the story unfolds. But I would just say this, if it's true that she does have a condition somewhere along the autistic spectrum, then this is an incredibly hopeful story. Because again, I don't want to anticipate, but one of the most powerful things, and this is one of the reasons why there is such an interest in Leonie today, is because she witnesses to the fact that with faith and with the proper support from and love and encouragement from a family and others, more growth and fruitfulness is, is possible than one would ever dare to imagine early on in the person's life. We'll see this in Nud Lee, where she'll say, I'm just hoping against hope, you know, using that biblical phrase, because she doesn't see any reason for hope, although she never, she never lost hope. Then Lani's story is an amazing story of the potentialities for growth far beyond what we might deem possible when we look at the struggles of a child, if in fact Leonie did share something of the condition of autism. It's beyond me to decide that. All I can do is uh, relate what is out there thus far in the, in the research on her. And probably people, as you're saying, who have dealt directly with that uh, may be the best ones to judge. You know, it's very interesting, the, uh, the parallels that you've described. Yeah, and even if the day were to come and that diagnosis is not necessarily one that is attributed to her, the, the struggles, the experience, the reactions, that I think is what makes it so relatable. I think the importance of Zeli, for example, in the lives of those who may be saying and experiencing the same things that she has said, we're not alone that you're you're not alone and that here is someone who is uh, speaking in your voice as well, whether it's female or male, uh, you know, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, aunts, uncles, as you're reading these letters, it's heart piercing to hear how the openness of the family, well, maybe I can help. And even the prayers of the saints, that extraordinary message of hope in the what prayer can offer 
that united prayer, that novena that was said. There's so many layers to this incredible family and what they have to offer the world. It's uh, kind of breathtaking, isn't it? Mm. As you were saying earlier, and as, as, as is very evident as you go through this, this was a mother who had a very difficult, very difficult task as a mother and became a saint. Now, sanctity is not excluded from a family because of these kinds of struggles. And what's striking is, you know, we are reading the letters of a canonized saint about a servant of God, her daughter. Mm. It's, yeah. it's just an amazing thing. If I could add this, I mean, just that point is so important because Zelly didn't write as much about Therese because Therese was so much younger. And so there, there was the writings of her and those little snippets we've glommed onto with all our might because they're so important to us. And yet we have more about this child. And, and the fact that it's rising up in this time, their witness, I think it's truly a gift, a, a truly a gift from God for those who are seeking, seeking that type of saintly relationship, can I say. Well, we're still very, very much at the beginning of the story, and uh, a lot more will unfold as we go along, but it's, it really is uh, a powerful story of hope, just a, a wonderful story of hope that you cannot read or go through the life of Leonie without saying there is no human condition, physical, emotional, academic, wartime, whatever it is, which closes the door to sanctity. What it's really saying is, you know, it's every one of us. Every one of us has the uh, conditions that we need to become holy, as this mother did and this child eventually would do in her life. You've been listening to A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leonie Martin, Bearer of Hope with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it on the Discerning Hearts free app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leonie Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher.